The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we've got a lot of things to talk through. The Farmers Insurance Open wrapping up, and we've got uh, some some news that is bigger than golf going on in the sports world right now. So we have assembled the squad. So let's bring them in. First off, the namesake, Kyle Porter. It's actually been a while since we've had a chat. You were down running around Orlando doing the merchandise show. How's everything going? I'm good. Yeah, we we haven't talked in a while. I'm actually looking at you right now, which is great. You look great. Thank you. Uh, we got we got phones on, which is cool. Um, yeah, weird day, man. I I know we're gonna talk to Mark here in a second, but yeah. I, I just thought the whole day was was uh, completely bizarre, and I I don't totally know how to process everything in light of. I mean, we all see things through different prisms. Ours is golf because that's what we cover. And I don't, I just, I don't know how to process everything. It's, it's been really odd. Yeah, we'll, we'll dive into that because I, I feel very similar to you. And as you mentioned, also on the line, Mark Immelman, uh, first weekend on the call here in 2024 CBS for you, Mark. Uh, weather was okay at Tory, a little foggy the last couple of days, but welcome. It's good to, uh, it's good to talk to you. Uh, nice to see you guys too, uh, and and to see you in person for the first time, albeit quick on the left hand side of the second fairway. <laughs> Man, I got to tell you, Kyle, Rick, our boy Rick has seriously, uh, to use a basketball moniker, um, maybe I shouldn't, but he reached above the rim in the biggest way. I got to tell you, <laughs> I mean, you have <laughs> picked your coverage, boss, but it's good to be with you guys, and and yeah, I appreciate it. Um, Tory Pines is always great uh, to start the season with a new crew and. Uh, and uh, it was lots of fun. It was a great tournament. Lots of good guys in contention. It was a stacked leaderboard, and and obviously the news today was was a real dampener, to be honest with you. Yeah, great to great to see you out there, Mark, on the call. But you're you're right. The day was uh, kind of I don't want to say overshadowed, but there was. Uh, this weird feeling to it. Uh, so for those of you listening, what we're talking about, Kobe Bryant and his daughter, along with uh, a few other passengers involved in a helicopter crash this morning that took their lives. And uh, Kyle, I mean, this this is a story that's uh, bigger than sport. Um, I think everyone knows who Kobe Bryant is. Everyone um, kind of knows what the Mamba mentality is. And for a guy who's only 41 years old, uh, to go like this, it, it's just, it was kind of weird to watch golf today. It was. And it, for, when it first started coming out, you're like, oh, well, this is, you, you know, you see weird stuff on, on social, on Twitter, and you're like, well, this is just, I don't know, like something that is random and not true. And I was talking, I, I was talking to my wife about this because I kind of went in after like an, just an hour of just like staring at the screen. Uh, and I, and I told her, and she was like, 
and she doesn't care about sports. She doesn't follow sports or anything like that. But she was like, that just, it, it feels weird. I mean, she knows who Kobe is. She said, it feels weird because that seems like somebody who's like larger than life, who's not supposed to die. You know, obviously everybody dies, but who's not supposed to, you just don't think about a person like that ever dying. And so for it to happen, and I was glad that Tiger talked about it because, you know, those two, I think the parallels, the arcs of their career are so similar. They were, they were almost the same age. They, they went through a lot of the same stuff in a lot of ways, some injuries, you know, scandal, very public scandals. Uh, they, they're, I, I've written about this before. I don't know if I'll do it again, but just their career arcs were, were almost synonymous. And I thought it was cool to hear him, uh, kind of talk about Kobe. Uh, at, at the very end of his round, it, it was crazy that he didn't find out until after his round. I don't know, man. There was just there was a lot going on, and it'll take you know days and weeks to. And I think maybe it sounds weird because you know we don't know Kobe. Like right. I, we didn't even cover we didn't even cover him. But for some reason, maybe it's because I'm a little older and he was pretty young. You know, he was like seven years older than me. Uh, I was kind of shook up today in a, in a weird way. And I don't, I don't know if that's how you guys felt, but that's certainly what I was feeling watching the golf. What I think is interesting about Kobe is um, he's one of these athletes that just he just transcends what he does. And other athletes reference him all the time, which we'll talk about in a, in a second. But, Mark, um, you know, there was I was reading some tweets, some tweets from beat writers and they were kind of saying it was it was weird being at the course a lot of people with their heads down in their phones did, did you get a sense of this being out there inside the ropes as it as it was all unfolding yeah it did it, it was crazy because we were in the production trailer just getting ready for the show and and i was scheduled to go out with a final group and then they started going a bit rough and and so we were talking about plans and all of a sudden one of the production assistants comes in uh the uh our, our lead producer lance barrow's door and is like Kobe Bryant's just passed away. He's been in a helicopter crash. And we were like, seriously? Uh, and then folks are scampering around the place to you now prepare, obviously, with CBS, want to do the right thing. And they were trying to time the show with, you know, the, the hits from uh, Adam Zucker in New York coming in there. And so it was crazy from that point of a view. And then um, during breaks, uh, when, when, when we go to commercial break, all the announcers just kind of chat between each other and uh, – and a lot of the conversation was sort of somber. Ordinarily, it's quite, you know, sort of jokey. You've got guys like Frank Nabolo and, and Nance, is, is, you know, fancies himself with a bit of a joke. And, and ordinarily, it's quite lighthearted. But the whole day, it was, it was a really somber sort of a tone. And I thought uh, Jim did a tremendous job, as he always does. Uh, yeah, he did. To, uh, to, to do what he does so well. And, and just a quick anecdote from the course, you got a sense for it, but with me inside the ropes, it's more the players. And, and so the sh we come on the air and I'm going down 10 there and I was dispatched to both uh, Brant Snedeker and Patrick Reed, who were off only one off the lead at that stage, I think. And we're standing on the back of the 10th green and Patrick is close and Kessler Coran comes up to me and he's like, Hey, how you doing? So I was like, fine. And he goes, you're, a, you're kind of okay. So I said, yeah, man, we just got word that Kobe Bryant was in a helicopter crash and died. And he goes to me, the Kobe Bryant? And I was like, yeah, the Kobe Bryant. And, and I'm like, look, just don't tell. This, this, it, it does transcend sports. Yeah. He found the same thing with, uh, Joe LaCava found out the message. Our Dottie Pepper reported and he didn't say anything to Tiger. And so it was odd because you're walking down the fairway and Brandt is a chatty sort of a guy and, and, uh, you, you sort of want to share the news, me, and then, but you don't want to because you don't want to throw these guys off what they're doing because 
it was the kind of news that could certainly certainly throw a guy off his groove. That's for certain, man. Well, that's what I that's what I actually wanted to ask you about, Mark. And you you preempted me. You nailed it because we we can see here uh, a Tiger's reaction was, yeah, Joey Lacava didn't tell them until they were walk- tell Tiger until they were walking off 18. And just a few minutes later, um, he met up with uh, Tiger met up with Amanda Balionis and gave this reaction to the Kobe news. Tiger, hearts are heavy all over the world today with the news of Kobe Bryant's passing. I know this is hard for you. He was a friend, but you wanted to say a couple words about him. You know, Amanda, I I didn't know until Joey just told me coming off uh, 18 green. Um, I didn't really understand why the, the people in the gallery is, were saying doing it for Mamba. Um, but now I understand. Um, it's a shocker to everyone. Um, un, un, unbelievably sad and um, one of the more tragic days that uh, I think, well, for me, it's just, the rally is just kind of sitting in because um, I was just told probably about, you know, five minutes ago. You've been a Lakers fan your entire life. I know what Kobe meant to you. Joe and Le- Joe Lacava says that you guys talk about him a lot on the golf course. What will you remember most about him as a player, but most importantly, as, as a man and father? The fire. Um, he burned so competitively hot and uh, the desire to win. Um, he brought it each and every night um, on both ends of the floor. I mean, not too many guys can, can say that uh, throughout NBA history that um, he'd lock up on D. Obviously, he was dominant on the offensive side, but uh, anytime he was in the game, he'd, he'd take on their, their, their best player and uh, shut him down for you know all 48 minutes. And um, that was one of the more impressive things I think throughout his entire career. And then you know when he ruptured his Achilles and went to the foul line and made his shots. I mean that's that's tough. I know this wasn't easy for you. Thank you for yeah, joining us. So Kyle, when you hear that and Knowing some of the other other golfers that had reactions to this, Brooks Kepka tweeted something out, uh, kind of revolving around that Mamba mentality. That this guy, you know, to your point, Kyle, very similar to Tiger Woods. Um, this is this is a mindset. This this is something that people have have bought into, especially athletes at the upper echelon of the sport that they're playing, and it does impact these guys when they get news like this. The the you know the the golfers who came off the course and started talking about it or were tweeting about it all had kind of the same type of reaction, wouldn't you say? Yeah, you know, I, I've been thinking about this and, and I've, I've been trying to wrap my mind around why the outpouring for Kobe uh, has been what it's been. Cause I, I mean, obviously he's a great player, but it, it's almost been, it's been beyond that. And I think the thing I keep coming back to look like Kobe and Tiger were sort of this bridge between like the old guys and the young guys. And they were the guys that are part of this kind of a little bit older guard that it mattered to them to show up every single day. Like, the, it, it mattered to bring it every single day. They're, they're very similar in that sense. I don't know if they're personally similar. They don't really seem like it in terms of their personalities. But uh, that part of it did matter to them. And I think, I think in the same way that you hear people revere Tiger, it's not just because he's talented. It's not just because he wins a lot. It's because he has people's respect. And the reason he has people's respect is because he shows up every day and he brings it every time he's out there. And I think that same thing is true about Kobe. And I think you hear guys, even younger players, talk a lot about that. I mean, Brooks referenced it and obviously Tiger talked about it. And I think that's that's the word that I keep coming back to is people just respected 
not that you're not, I mean, so Brooks Kepka is great, right? He wins a ton. He's got all these majors. I don't know if guys respect him in the same way they respect a Tiger or a Kobe because I don't know if he's seen as bringing it every single day. I'm not saying he doesn't. I just don't know that he's viewed in the same way. And I think that's what's unique about guys like Tiger and Kobe. Even though they climbed the mountain and did it over and over again, they still brought it every day. And I thought I think that part of it is really cool. Yeah. Unique is a really good word. And and Mark, I'll I'll let you put a bow on this because I feel like you are kind of the best at putting stuff like this into words. But um, a 41 year old multimillionaire with with four children, you know, it's to to me outside of Kobe Bryant, it's just um, it's jarring that tomorrow is is never is never promised and never guaranteed. And um, even guys with, you know, all the money in the world and the best of health and anything else, um Tomorrow is not promised, and and that is kind of my my takeaway from today. Uh, absolutely, man, you nailed it there. And and I got to say to you, when our crew was wrapping up, you know, the tech people, the camera folks, the production crew, the announcers, everyone sort of said the old safe travels thing a little bit more than what we ordinarily would, because so much of it is taken for granted. And and all I can say is. This Kobe did transcend sports. I mean, he, you could see the reach of the man when you saw so many sad folks here in Southern California on a golf course on an afternoon where everyone was supposed to be having fun. And so I just want to say, you know, whoever catches this, whenever you catch this, hug your loved ones a little tighter because uh, nothing is ever promised. There you go. All right. Uh, we will turn to golf now and the results of the Farmers Insurance Open. It is seems to be Aussie month or Aussie year as Mark Leishman closes with a 65 on Sunday to capture uh, his fifth career PGA Tour win. Uh, Kyle, uh, Justin Ray tweeted this out. First time since 2002 that Australians have won on the same day in both the European Tour and the PGA Tour as uh, Justin Herbert closed it out across the pond. Cam Smith has already won this year. Wade Ormsby has already raised the trophy this year. Pretty good time to be an Aussie golfer. You're pretty deep at the Wade Ormsby game, aren't you? <laughs> I was I was wondering the stat on when's the last time two guys with the last name Wu both led on the PJ Tour and European Tour because Ash and Wu led after three rounds on the European Tour. Brandon Wu won, or excuse me, he didn't win. He led after like, he was leading on like day one or day two. Anyway, we're on a tangent. Um, Leishman was about as bad as I've seen him, Tita Green. On uh, on Sunday, Very I mean, bad. it was like an auto, uh, just twenty yards off the end of the rough on the right side. I mean, his miss was he was consistent for sure, and it was not a good consistent. I mean, to finish, how, how about this, guys? If you tell me somebody in the final round is gonna gonna go t seventy and strokes gained off the tee, and that person's gonna shoot a sixty five to win, I mean, how does at Tory? I don't understand how that happens. I, I was, I was blown away. And, you know, I think it's a testament to, he just kind of hung in on the greens. He made everything you looked at. It was a very, kind of goes against what, uh, what me and Rick feel about Tita Green stuff. It's a, it's a victory for the, for the Mark Woman crowd. But, uh, <laughs> I was waiting for you to acknowledge it. <laughs> it, it was, uh, it was crazy, but uh, good on him for hanging in and, and taking down Rom and Rory in that final round. Kyle, the first rule is you're not supposed to acknowledge when like things don't go exactly as we say they are. But no, no, you're 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 right. This, uh, I mean, Mark, three fairways that Leishman hit today. Uh, three, three, 
at Torrey Pines, you're, that's not how you're supposed to win golf tournaments. And one of those on 18, man, that thing was a slice that started way outside of the, 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 the uprights if this was football. Yeah. Back just onto the edge of the fairway. Look, here's the thing, okay? Um, truth of it is, if you go back to the President's Cup, and I think we talked about it on this very podcast, Leishman had the most wicked two-way miss going on, and I don't think he really knew what was happening with a golf swing. But yes, what's happening? You know, golf is about scoring, and yes, all the strokes gain metrics, and I'm going to take Twitter heat for this uh, this stuff, say the closer you get the ball to the target, the easier it is to score. That's logic, but you've still got to score. You've still got to hit those touch shots, those feel shots. You've got to make those putts that mean something when it comes right down to it. And he did. And then also, Carl, I'm going to add to your strokes gained metrics because I've joked about strokes gained, uh, um, you know, not uh, strokes gained inside of your mind and strokes gained in your heart and strokes lost, you know, when the sphincter factor sets in and you tighten up a little bit too much. There, there was a real element of destiny about this. It was Australia Day. You look at all the Aussies winning. Cameron Smith, obviously, and Sony a few weeks ago, he was one of the first guys, him and Leishman both, to donate to the Australian uh, Fire Fund, whatever it's called. Leishman was very involved. His foundation apparently raised like $50,000 last night. Um, don't quote me on the number. And so there was there was a destiny about this sort of a thing. And and he's playing in a place with similar conditions to what he's used to down in the Melbourne area, sort of cold, damp. You know, the ball can sort of bounce out some. So there was there was real destiny about, about this sort of thing. And and he showed up sort of out of nowhere, which is which is how he does. You know, he, he he's a grinder. He plays well. He's supremely confident. But he's not going to wow you. And he was just lurking about the show, and all of a sudden, he comes out with a flyer and. and and I think good on him, to use an Aussie term, for all the Australians. Lucas Herbert, good on you. Cameron Smith, good on you. These guys are doing what they can to support the folks down in Australia. Okay, Kyle. Mark, Mark was, the, was the rough – so he misses uh, 11 fairways. Was the rough not – I mean, was it penal? You were out there. It, it was it, penal. It was? It, yeah, it was so punitive in spots. But a, a lot of it also – you know, golf is – not necessarily how many good shots you hit. It's how bad your bad shots aren't. And if you could put the ball in a place where at least you can recover, because ultimately it is a game of recovery. When he missed, he was in a place where he'd sort of open up the target and sort of run one up some of these Reese Jones adjustments to the green. Or, or he could at least, you know, put the ball back into play. Or if he missed a target around the greens, he'd have pretty well the easier third shot or whatever it might be. So That's because his misses were like 40 yards offline. Yeah, but they were on the right side of the target, or the correct side of the target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you, a lot of golf is, it's like, you know, setting up the next shot. It's making the next shot as easy as possible. Now, naturally, you play from the fairway 300 yards out uh, off the tee, you, you got the advantage. But that doesn't mean you can't make a good score from other spots. And, and that's the measure to me of a golfer. As a college coach, when I'm recruiting kids, I'm not interested in you and your score when you're playing well because anyone can make a good score when you've got your A game, to use Tiger's terms. But if you can make a good score when you've got your C game, then you're impressive to me. And that's and Mark Leishman yeah. showed class today. Yeah. John Rahm, someone who uh, before – Even I don't care. 
before this thing started, I was uh, I was looking it up all the stats. I'm like, okay, what am I going to tweet about John Rom, Kyle? This is going to be a lot of great stuff. He's going to win for the second <laughs> time here at Tory. I'm going to have all these great tweets coming out. And he goes bogey on one, double on three, bogey on five, and he is four over through five holes, and he has coughed this thing up. I have no idea. Would you like to try to describe what what happened here? It was it was it was atrocious. I, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I mean, I I I have no idea. I, you know, I think the thing for him, I, I thought he was. I watch him and and I'm and I'm watching. I'm like, he can put it wherever he wants off the tee. I mean, just just the way he's hitting it off the tee right now. I think he was T12 in fairways hit, and with his distance, that's, I mean, that's pretty sick. That's pretty good. Uh, his iron game wasn't as sharp as normal. I mean, I, the thing for him is he finishes second in putting, and you're like, if Rom's second in putting, that's a that's a win. Like, you should be winning, you know? And he, it felt a little felt a little wasted, to be honest, in terms of, like, throwing away a really great putting week. Um, so, I don't know. I... I I picked him to win after uh, Gary Woodland shot like a what felt like a 95 in the first round, and uh, that sucked. We'll get to that in a second. I picked I picked Rom after round one. I picked him after round two. I picked him after round three, and uh, he did not close it out. Valiant effort at the end though. The close was exciting, and it looked like he was going to make that putt from the exact same spot as he did back in whatever it was 17. But uh, yeah, the start just kind of it's it's hard when you put yourself in a hole like that. Even if you're still kind of in it, just mentally to climb all the way back, it's it's really difficult. Yeah, so uh, to your point, Kyle, gains nearly six stro- six strokes on the greens, which is the most since, uh, at my quick glance, since 2017 Dell Technologies Championship. So it's been quite a while. So, yeah, you could look at this and say kind of a wasted performance. But, Mark, I actually was pretty impressed with his ability to kind of reset this whole thing. Because after he makes bogey on five, we're like, I- I'm – I'm I'm writing up the obituary. He bounces back, <laughs> makes birdie on six, and then he actually makes a charge on the back nine with an eagle on thirteen. Um, you know, he birdies or better five of his last six holes. I was impressed with his ability to get back into it, but I think in this case, just a little, a little too little, too late. Well, you know, before before I get to that, Carl was joking about pick rum, pick rum, pick rum. When we were down in Orlando earlier um, this week for the. Uh, the trade show, the PGA merchandise show, on air there, uh, we get asked for our picks, and I'm like, Ram to win, Ryan Palmer is a dark horse. So while I was looking like a genius. Uh, and oh, then you picked Woodland in your, in your uh, one and done. I was just trying to stay on your wing there, boss. I, I'm, 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 I understand my place in the world. But, but, <laughs> but what we can do with John Ram, in my opinion now, is put to bed the story that he's emotional and he's volatile and when stuff's going wrong, he loses his head and he makes rash, rash decisions. He gets off that rough start. I mean, he's four over through five, I think it is, but then turns around, hits a quality tee shot, birdie six, then drops the anchor for a little while and he hits some pretty smart shots. Then all of a sudden he busts it open with the eagle on 13, the birdie on 14. And so emotional Immature, um, that's not the right word, but you know what I'm trying to go here. I, I, I'm going to react to things not going my way, John Rahm, I think is a story that's in the history books right now. He showed today that he has got all of the tools, and he didn't win the event. Yes, he blew a lead, but he has now found a gear that he didn't have in the past, and now I think he's proven to himself that come heck or high water, things can go wrong, things can go right, 
he still has the chops and the mentality and the skill and the savvy and all the stuff to be still find himself with a chance to win the event. I mean, he had a putt in the last to get into a playoff, albeit long. So, so I think it was a valiant effort by him. Golf just sometimes doesn't go your way, but he found a way to navigate his way around that, and that is a, a, a feather in his cap, in my opinion. I really like that whole fire and um, personality and, and t- temperament issue with John Rom because I did I did local radio in um, in Toronto last week, and when we got to John Rom, the first thing that came up was, oh, does he have you know, can he can he handle his emotions to win a major? And I was like, I thought that I thought we were kind of done with that. So I'm happy to use this round this week as being like, OK, we're done. We don't have to talk about uh, the emotional stuff with with John Rahm anymore. So I, I dig that, Mark. Um, now, this might be a record. We are 20 or so minutes into the pod and we are going to get to Tiger Woods and his round for the well, first time. Record. Uh, Kyle hasn't spoken about Jordan Spieth just yet. Okay. We have we haven't gotten down to the T fifties and sixties yet, or wherever uh, Jordan Spieth actually finished T fifty five. I saw I was watching <laughs> on Saturday, and they showed uh so so Spieth was on like fourteen or something, and I realized that he was playing behind Rory and Tiger, and I was like, did, did he start on? I thought he started on ten. Like what? What? Like how is he on? There's no way he could be on fourteen right now, and yet. I guess they were tied after the second round, and he had a later tee time. So there you go, Mark. Yeah, well, there you go. That's all I, that's all I got right now. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, Tiger Woods, two under, uh, finishes tied for ninth, nine under par. I mean, he jumped right out of the gate here and uh, made another bogey on one, which he's either four-putted or birdied and makes a bogey here uh, in the final round. And then he hits quite possibly the craziest shot I've ever seen on number two, Kyle. This shot that uh, is literally in the cup, um, I don't know how to, how to describe it. Besides, it jumps into the cup, hits the bottom of the cup, and hops out, and he taps in for birdie. I was showing my my son, my six year old, and he the, when he first saw it, the ball goes in, and he goes crazy, and then he comes back over, and he's like, "How the ball? <laughs> how is it not in the, in the hole?" And I said, "I, I have no idea. I, you know, it, I think we do this thing with Tiger where it's like." It's it's so binary. Did he win or did he not win? And I just I I don't care about the the binary sort of relationship we we have with his uh, performance. His swing looked I mean it looked as good or better than it was at the Zozo when he did win. Uh, Tita Green he was great. Look like and this got brought up on the broadcast. I can't remember who said it. It might have been. I don't know. I'm not even going to speculate. It might have been on Golf Channel. I can't remember. But it got brought up, and somebody said the the Tiger like seven eighths, uh, like f- going like going after the ball instead of a hundred and ten percent. It just it just works. I mean, it just plays. He looks so his 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 move of the ball right now looks so smooth, and I think people should be excited about the fact that. He's finishing sixth from T to green at Torrey Pines to open the year. You look back the last two years, he finishes T20, T23 on the leaderboard. This performance was way better than either of those two. And in both of those seasons, he goes on to win later in the year. So I just, I left Torrey feeling more optimistic about his season than I did coming in. I'll tell you what, Rick, to Carl's point, I'm, I'm now switching. I'm going to put on a hat and now be Carl Porter for a bit and look at the strokes gained metrics. And, 
Uh, Carl compared the swing to Zozo. I, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. The golf teacher in me was giddy watching him, the pace, the control, and not just the pace, just the timing of it all and how he was hitting the ball long efficiently. It wasn't heaving himself around the place to gain some extra speed because, you know, I averaged in some cold conditions uh, in around about the 298 yards off the team clip, which is really useful because it was cold and the ball wasn't traveling out there. Um uh, and, and all of the, the, the hitting stuff was good. And I think the, the swinging and the driving and such was better than what it was at the Zozo Championship. The only differential was he came up a little empty on the greens. Had a good day in, in round three when he made a bit of a move. But on the two of the, uh, the measured rounds on the south course, he lost strokes to the field on the greens. So uh, you can chalk a lot of that up to the Poanio greens and the fact that they're sometimes a little inconsistent. So, you know, you – you put Tiger Woods on some of those champions Bermuda greens, and I think it's going to be open season if what we saw this week is an indicator as to what we might see down the track some. He had, yeah. he had seven, seven birdie looks at 15 feet or in on the front nine on Saturday. That's a joke. I that mean, is. that's, that's crazy. Tiger's best finish at Torrey Pines since 2013. Yeah, optimistic is I think is I think a good word for it, Kyle, because uh, 83 is knocking at the door. We're going to hear about it on every single uh, every single broadcast, every single tweet. But if he keeps playing like this, uh, we won't have to hear about it for long. Yeah, for sure. All right, Rory McIlroy um, finishes <laughs> in a tie for third. Um, this is another one where I'm like, this was. Kind of weird. That final group today, uh, they looked like they were stuck in mud because it was Rom going out and he was, what, four over through five. Uh, Rory goes out. He's three over through four. Mark, for you, you know, I know you were following around the final group on Saturday. The final group on Sunday, when, when things start going sideways for everybody, uh, like, is, I've seen, I know we can, like, Guys play well off of each other at some points, but is there a real thing to like, hey, they're playing bad off of each other because everyone's stuck in the mud here? Yeah, there, there is a real element to, you know, you get in someone's slipstream and you can go well. And for that matter, someone's going in the wrong direction and that can sort of influence one because what typically happens is pace of play varies if a person's not playing well. So if someone's struggling along, stuff slows down. And for McElroy, you know, he likes to go. We all know that. Um, but he just got off to a bit of a, a scrappy start. And the word on Tory Pines, the earth course, is you need to get off to the place early. The first six holes is where you sort of make your score, and then you hang on over the back nine, which is so difficult. He got off to a little bit of a slow start, but just like Ram, he turned it around like in a hurry with the eagle on six. Um, the, the, the thing that I saw out of McElroy, because he spoke in the press after the uh, third round about how how he enjoys winning new events, and he hadn't won in Torrey Pines before. He spoke about how much he enjoys the golf course, and it, you got the sense that this meant something to him. And then early in the week, he, he told all the, the press assembled that getting to number one in the world wasn't on his list of goals. He was about winning events, and he gave out a number of how many events he'd like to win, which was you know pretty large. Um, and so it, it looked like there was an element of try early for Rory. And then he got to that three over through four clip. And all of a sudden, something changed. And he was four under in his next five. And then had a chance. And then the putter started misbehaving on the back nine. So I, I think he was dragged down by some. But I think with uh, Ram and Ryan Palmer also not going very well over the first couple three holes, 
that sort of slowed down the pace in the final group, this pressure and stuff. I think it was conspiring circumstances. And then add to that that he looked like he really wanted this one, and he almost tried to force it early. Yeah, so this is now the second uh, start here at Torrey Pines, a T5 and a T3 for Rory McIlroy. Kyle, how about this? John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, uh, or I guess I should say it the other way, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, respectively, the second and third ranked players in the world. Rory could have ascended to the number one uh, spot with a win this week. Who gets to number one first, John Rahm or Rory McIlroy? I think it's Rory, but to, to, I mean, I, I like the way that you put that because I think they're the two best guys in the world right now. Yeah. I, I mean, you could probably throw JT in there. I just, I mean, people are going to say Brooks or whatever, but like, I, I just haven't seen it of late. I, I'm talking about like right now. I'm not right. talking about major predictions or anything like that. I think it's, I think it's Rory and Rom. They combined for six wins over the last half of 2019, obviously starting 2020 great. I mean, the thing that blew me away, I, I look, I watch a ton of, of Rory McIlroy golf and the, the ease with which he's he's swinging it right now. I mean, he played the par fives, and these are not like these par fives are not a joke. I mean, they are monstrous, and he played them an eight under on the weekend. I mean, it, it was just, and it was like easy. I mean, it it was like just the 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 three woods that he's. I don't even have words for it. I'm just blown away by how well he's hitting it, and. You know, his statistical profile is what you want to see from an elite guy from tee to green. He just didn't putt it that well, and you don't win. That's totally fine. Like, I I feel exactly the same leaving Tory about Rory as I did uh, coming into the week. He hits some shots that are just – I think it was 18 where he was in the fairway bunker and he pulled like three or five wood and his, he's got this narrow stance. You know, his front leg is bent. So like he still makes perfect contact. The guy's not human. Um, Mark, there, there's a great stat that came out of this week. Uh, again, Justin Ray on Twitter. In his first start of the calendar year, Rory McIlroy has 11 – top five finishes in 13 years so what like what is rory's new year's resolution that he keeps coming out and like destroying the earth you know every single first start of the new year well he made <laughs> telling uh, there was a telling quote because i was preparing for the final groups i was reading through some of the transcripts and uh, they were asking him all sorts of questions after round three and someone said because he had spoken of the fact that in the off season he took six weeks off and didn't touch a golf club, you know, which is which is something because it speaks to someone who's very confident in what they are. And 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 he he spoke to the fact of the question was, is there anything like sensors or cameras that help change or improve your swing during the off season? And he goes, I've actually tried to get away from a lot of that stuff. I'm trying to play a lot by feel. I'm even reluctant to see my swing on video these days. I've done that all before. I've been to biomechanics. I've done the 3D stuff. It's all good and it helps, but I'm at this stage of the career where I know what works for me. If I'm hitting it good and I'm hitting it in the center of the face and I'm feeling comfortable, I know that everything's okay. So this speaks to a guy. He's saying to us, he goes, I know what makes me go. I don't need some computer monitor to tell me I don't need some sensor to tell me what's going on. He goes, I know the club set up, and he changed. He made a few adjustments to the club set up this week. He, he, he's like, I know my feels, to use the Tiger term, all the rest of it. And so apparently he can take a few weeks off and just hit the ground running. And, and, and that, I think, is a separator as well for, for, for this 
run that I it, it look here's my take this uh, a McElroy-esque type run is imminent and, and and I see this thing on the horizon strokes gain time off that's what it is. We're going to start out the first w- version of Strokes Gained or Lost. We should go Strokes Get the Strokes Lost something too. I like that. It was uh, it was funny because I thought I heard them say Rory gets a quarterly uh, update of his stats or something like that. And Kyle's over there, uh, we, we know, with me refreshing every 15 minutes, and Rory's <laughs> only looking at them every quarter, which might mean we might be looking too deep into this stuff, Kyle. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, well, hey, somebody's got to carry the statistical analysis when Mark's over there, like, strokes lost wine and, you know, strokes <laughs> gained time off. So I, what, somebody's got to do it. Uh, <laughs> all right um we've got to unfortunately recap our one and done picks for oh, this no, no, <laughs> before God. before we do that let's take a quick moment and hear a word from our partners it's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym and viore has threaded that needle they are designed to work out in but they don't look like it they don't feel like it and it's incredibly comfortable stuff whether you are running training swimming doing yoga running errands lounging around the house it really doesn't matter these are versatile clothes you'll find me often in the men's sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Those numbers do not add up to me, and I know it can be confusing, the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple, and that's where Superfeet comes into play. These Superfeet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most, and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there, and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. All right, we're back, and uh, this is the worst segment of the show because the three of us 
uh, all took a goose egg, a zero spot in the one and done this week. Kyle, uh, you had Gary Woodland. Mark, you had Gary Woodland. I had Justin Rose. Same result, zero dollars. Uh, Greg was the only one of the regular, uh, first cut crew that accumulated any money with, uh, Tony Finau and his sixth place finish. But let's talk a little, let's talk a little bit about Gary. Uh, I know. Okay. Wait, wait, but before we go there, I listen to your guys' podcast. Is Greg wanting to marry Tony Finau? I mean, good lord. He, he is like, if someone's buying stock, I think he might be the chairman of the Tony Finau liberation. Well, I think we said he's a uh, top five f- Tony, and uh, he almost did that. He finished sixth, and it got him uh, a couple hundred thousand dollars. But uh, Mark, Gary Woodland, uh, I-, I think this was a little bit of an aberration. He goes out and misses the cut at a place that he's had a lot of great success at. Um, we only have the one measured round for him because he, um, you know, he played the north, he played the south, so we only have the south side measured. Lost like three strokes putting in that one round. It was still great off the tee. Was still just fine on approaches. Woodland's going back to a place he's had great success at the waste management next week. Um, I don't see any long-term concerns here for Gary Woodland. Uh, not, not, not at all. Because the thing about Torrey Pines this week, you had to drive the ball in the fairway. And if you missed a fairway wide enough, you typically had an easier shot. If you missed just off the fairway, the rough was punitive and you were playing defense. And then you can get on the greens at the wrong time and, and hit one of those little poano buds and the, the short one rims out. And so I think it's a bit of an aberration. I expected him to play well because obviously here recently, not just at Torrey Pines, but you know, won the U.S. Open up the road here in, in Northern California on similar greens, similar sort of conditions. So I thought he'd play well, but the truth of it is, for me, I was wrestling between him and a few other guys around this Torrey Pines golf course who play well. Uh, one of those was Snedeker, but Sneds had just been so inaccurate off the tee, I couldn't pull the trigger on him. And all of a sudden, he has a guy who had a shot to win the thing late. Well, if you knew it only took three fairways on Sunday to uh, to win, you might have picked Brant yeah. Snedeker. Um, Kyle, our our big boss, Eric Kay, uh, cashed in with John Rahm this week, which actually pushes him to the top of the one-and-done standings uh, for our purposes. Now, I would argue... It is best for job security to let the boss win, which is exactly what I plan on doing. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to say that that's what I was doing. You know, the, I think the, the worst the worst part of this is, uh, you know, how when you're in a situation in life and you walk away and you're like, I nailed that. Like I, I that was that was awesome. I'm awesome. That's how I felt about this pick. I walked away being like. Woodland's probably going to win. I mean, he's, you know, I just felt so good about it. And then he goes, and then he goes 75 in round one. And I'm like, well, this is the worst. I don't know why I picked him. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> we have a, we have an email chain where we like release these picks with like a little bit of information and the bragging that comes out with some of these picks and like myself included like i'm guaranteeing victory when i pick these guys on wednesday night and uh doesn't always seem to go that way <laughs> well i think yeah the i'm the reason why kyle's picking gary woodland went bad because i picked woodland as well and so uh, i sort of ruined the chi there you gotta you gotta uh stick with you gotta stay in your deal mark you had uh you had rom and uh ryan palmer would have been an amazing pick and you just got you got hoodwinked by us young fellows and just taking Woodland. Yes, the thing, and, and, and someone was joking with me about this. They, they listen to the podcast and they're like, man, you have you planned so far out in front? I'm like, no, I haven't planned. I've just written 
candidates down for certain events, you know, the, the, the must picks, if you will. And so I had Ram penciled in for another place and I had Snedeker penciled in for another place and I had Ryan Palmer penciled in for another place. And so I was looking at this kind of thing going, well, you know, Woodland makes a lot of sense around here. Um, I did consider Cam Smith for a while, I'll be honest with you, but it was between Sneds and Cam and Woodland. So I went with Woodland to actually try and scupper you some, but it didn't work out very well. You guys are going to be so mad when I use Woodland next week and he wins again at Waste Management. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, A couple other uh, news and notes from the world of golf on the European Tour. Sebastian Soderberg sets the European Tour record for the fastest round by playing 18 holes in 96 minutes. Also, here's what I think the important part is. Shooting three over. That's pretty good, especially doing it in 96 minutes. Uh, Kyle, I know like Kevin Na had done this a couple years ago. I think he just broke the two hour mark and, um, like this happens once the opportunity for this arises once every so often where, you know, it's a solo guy who gets to go out first and see how fast that he can play this. But, uh, this is pretty cool. I like when guys take this on. I think 96 minutes is the same time. Bryson to play the six hole at the Northern Trust last, uh, last fall. In the third round. <laughs> Producer Jacob, throw a rim shot in there for like, for the uh, what I was thinking about this. Who, if you had to pick like, and I know they have this speed golf thing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's, it's insane. Like you get, you get a, oh, what do you get? You, 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 like it's based on time and then every stroke you're over yeah. par, you get a certain amount of minutes added on. I'm curious. Who would you pick? Who would be your one and done oh, God. if if they did that next week at Phoenix and everybody was playing? Matt Jones. Matt Jones without a doubt. Matt Jones? Yeah. It, what, do yourself a favor. That dude, I've been on the golf course where he has a golf ball's airborne before the playing competitor's balls hit the green. He is unbelievable. And Bill Haas is also real fast. But Matt Jones – he takes it to a different level. Yeah, I feel like you need a you need a fast player. You also need like an athletic one if they're going to be like running for the next hour and a half. What about like I don't know how fast he plays, but the first guy that popped into my mind is like Cam Champ. Like let him just yeah. pound the ball out there at TPC Scottsdale and run after it. And I have no idea what he's going to shoot, but like I feel like you need the special type of golfer for uh for something like this. I think I would go, uh, I think I would go Finau, somebody like that. You know, did you guys ever see the video a couple years ago? It was, uh, Adam Hold Scott. On. Tony Finau cannot run 30 yards without <laughs> dislocating his ankle. You're gonna pick him for golf? <laughs> Brilliant. That's such yeah, a, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a good pull. That, that's, uh, that's, that's a tough look for me. But, uh, did you guys see the video? <laughs> somebody resurfaced this during the President's Cup. It was, uh, it was Abraham Answer. Uh, Adam Scott and a couple other guys, and they were they were trying to beat the the sunlight, the darkness. I can't remember what event it was at. You need to go look it up. It was a couple a couple years ago, and these guys like they couldn't run. Like I don't, I, and I don't, I don't mean like they were tired or they were out of shape. They like literally could not move, like pump their arms and put their feet in front of each other. I mean, it, I've never seen anything like it. It was the it was the worst argument. It was the worst video for the argument that golfers are athletes of uh, that I've ever seen. It was it was just unbelievable. So I'm going based on the fact that Finau is just, at least seems athletic and seems like he could you know put something together. <laughs> Mark, Mark, you'd have good insight on this. Where do golfers rank in the list of athletes, right? There's like baseball pitchers. They're like definitely not athletes, right? And like, then you go down. Where, where do golfers rank on this? 
Um, pretty good because if you give any golfer a ping pong paddle, a table tennis paddle, you give them a tennis racket, you throw baseballs at them. I mean, golfers have spatial awareness. You know, they can hit stuff that's moving and they understand timing. And a lot of folks are real fast. I mean, did you guys see the social media? I'm walking down the fairway on 13 today with Brand Snedeker and he's asking me, he goes, did you see that thing on social media where it was the race between Wayne Gretzky and there was Sugar Ray Leonard and stuff going on there and Gretzky killed them all? I mean, he outran these guys in a 100-yard dash by a good 20 yards. Um, and, and golfers typically have to be fast. So, you know, we might not look it, but golfers are quite athletic. And just a little backstory to that, you know, the good thing of working for the CBS Network show is we have a, a monitor that goes along with us. So, you know, if we're calling recorded shots, we can see exactly what the viewers are watching. And it's not like uh, – so, so we don't make a mistake. And my little guy – a local guy here from San Diego, Damon, um, he was exhausted after Saturday afternoon and came out this morning. He goes, dude, I was tired, man. Uh, this, it's a big walk. I didn't know how much you guys walk and how fast you go. So, so, so I'm on the golfers or athletes argument. And I think someone like, a, you know, certainly McElroy, Tiger, Gary Player back in the day. Um, we're not so bad, really. Yeah. And, uh, Torrey Pine's certainly a big park. That's not necessarily an easy, an easy walk. Um, and then last, last item here, also from, uh, the European tour over for the Omega Dubai Desert Classic. Bryson DeChambeau, uh, seems to be able to make himself the story quite a bit every week, whether he's playing on the course or playing on Twitch. Uh, but the story for this week is in contention. Well, in this thing, I think he started the final round one shot back, uh, gets on the clock late in that round and up bogeying the last four holes Kyle Bryson and the uh the pace of play stuff just continues to follow him even across the pond it, it does I'm sorry I'm looking for this this Abraham answer <laughs> I know video. You are. It, it is I gotta find it I I can't I'll I'll find it later and send it to you guys yeah you know Bryson you know the quote that sticks out to people is he said I think he said it at the beginning of this year, like, oh, I'm, I'm long enough now that pace isn't going to matter. <laughs> You're like, well, okay, that's, uh, probably shouldn't say that, even if it's true. And then it comes back to bite him. I, I, I just, you know, look, he's a, he's, a, he's a good talent. I think that's sometimes like what gets lost in all of this is he's a really good player and he's just getting in his own way. It's just like, my man, like, be quiet. Do your thing, go win some majors, and then you know this was the Kepka thing. He just he didn't say anything until he won four majors, and then everything he 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 has said carries more weight. And so I just I don't know. He just needs to not talk and and uh, let the clubs do it for him. That's kind of where I'm at, Mark. Is uh, you know Brooks kind of put an extra spotlight on him saying I only care about the majors you know for lack of a better way to say it and 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 Bryson who kind of puts the spotlight on himself by talking about the pace of play stuff all the time like if he if he wasn't talking about it I feel like we wouldn't be talking but here we are yeah um you know Bryson's it's, it's it's a curious case at times because his his desire to do the right thing and to play well and to to beat people. I mean, his 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 competitive streak is is tangible. When you're around him, you can sense it, and when you see him on the golf course, you can see this guy is all in. So uh, I can see Kyle laughing at me over here. It's it it, it you know I, I think as as things start to um as, as he continues to develop, 
Uh, Kyle's putting up the picture of these guys not running. Yeah, I'm looking at it too. <laughs> I thought you were laughing at me. Kyle, it was bad. But anyway, back to Bryson. Um, you know, he's still, he's still, would you listen to me? He's still as young. And so I think he's got a lot of time and, 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 and goodness, by, there by the grace of God go I. So look, he's a heck of a player. He's figuring himself out. He's realized distance is a thing. And, and, uh, I, I just, I, I hope he just, he stays healthy and, and, and he, he stays true to who he is because it's easy if things are not going one's way to start to change your course. And, and, and he said his course and, and my, if I was giving him advice would just be to Carl's point to say, Hey, perhaps talk a little less, but just keep doing you. I love it. Well, he's going to go back to a place where he's had at least a little uh, decent success when he gets back to TPC Scottsdale next week. So looking forward to seeing him over here. And boys, I think that'll do it. That's us. That's another episode of The First Cut. Any parting words? I'll just open this up. Yeah, Kyle, you, you, you need to put that uh, video up on right now somewhere so people can see it. <laughs> go, if you're listening to this, go Twitter search trying to beat the sunset like dot 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 at pga tour and just get hours of just giddy delight out of this video it's it's johnny vegas jason day abraham answer and adam scott and it is i'm it was like a if it was a four by 400 i have zero doubt that the three of us and our producer jacob would just destroy these guys (laughs) i mean it is it's unbelievable I, I, I love Jason Day, but they probably had to go slow for him in case he injured himself on the, on the run there. And <laughs> Abraham Answer looked like he—he he looks like a baby deer who who <laughs> was just was just born and is figuring out how to write. It, it's incredible. It really is. And on the baby deer notes, uh, we'll call it a show. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, support the show. Leave us a, a five-star rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Uh, um, you can follow Kyle Porter, who I'd like to thank for coming on, at Kyle Porter CBS on Twitter, and Mark Immelman, always a good time. You can get him on Twitter, at Mark underscore Immelman. I'm Rick Gaiman, at Rick Rungood on Twitter, and we'll talk to you next time. Hello everyone, it's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.